Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling, and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're, You're listening, listening to, to the Podmania, Podmania Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling Podcast, Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Mania podcast. I'm your host Rob Gordon. I'm joined once again by Chris and Garth. Chris, how are you, buddy? You made me watch Collision in Korea. And you, Garth? Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Even despite the fact that I made you watch, I made you watch Collision in Korea. Apparently. Um, in a minute. Hang on. Oh. You okay there, buddy? What's happening, man? Yeah. <laughs> just pop, just pop in a cold one. Oh, I see. What, what is your tip of choice today? Is that what today? they're calling it nowadays? <laughs> What's your tip of choice, Chris? Air Garth? It is Cause Light. Cause Light. Wow. Get I'm... the fuck off of this podcast. <laughs> I myself am on Stellar Artois um, because it's a, it's I apparently. Refreshing beverage. Are you the only one not drinking? Aren't you the only Scottish one as well? This seems weird. Yeah. Like it's weird for me too. Yeah, the Geordie and the Stokey are drinking, yet the guy from Scotland isn't drinking. I mean that's an offensive stereotype. And... <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen, we're procrastinating, as you can probably tell, because we really, really, really don't want to talk about this pay-per-view. Um Basically, we put out there on Twitter that the new theme for our retro pay-per-view this time was going to be out of our comfort zone. And I don't think you can get more out of your comfort zone than watching 190,000 people sitting in almost complete silence watching something that they don't understand because they're there (laughs) upon fear of death. Um it's an I don't know, I felt pretty show. uncomfortable on the train last week. Well, it's an interesting show, to say the least. Chris, what did you think, <laughs> buddy? Well, I don't know, I feel like I did enjoy some of the matches on the show more if the crowd was a crowd and not like 190,000 people with a massive gun being pointed at them. Like, it's one of those shows where like the super, stories is Super short on, isn't it? Yeah. No, to be fair, though, at least people got into it at Super Show. Like, um, I, I, I watched one of the Saudi shows. I, I watched Greatest Royal Rumble because it was a rumble. And, um, like, the crowd got really into Triple H versus John Cena. So. It was not the first match. Yeah, it was the opening match. Dead for the rest of it, but that first match. <laughs> oh, yeah, they were shit. dead. Yeah, but then the dude, that sumo wrestler turned up and was like, oh, it's Yokozuna! And no, it's not Yokozuna. There's that great story, isn't there, that the Saudi prince, um, who this was not... Well, I think it was the Saudi prince who wanted all this organised for them, um, gave a list in 
of all the wrestlers that he wanted to attend this. On that list, of course, was Yokozuna, who at that point had been dead for nearly <laughs> 17 years. So clearly a, a diehard the, fan. Wasn't the Ultimate Warrior also on there? Uh, I believe the Warrior was on there. I think Savage was mentioned as well. Because so. to be fair, Ultimate Warriors and the Saudi government's views on LGBT people kind of match oh, up. Very similar, yes. That is true. That is true. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, this is a weird show for for literally all of the reasons. Um, but mainly because it's a show where we're going to spend little time talking about the actual matches and more time on the background of this show. Um, the it was co-promoted between New Japan Pro Wrestling and obviously WCW. Uh, it was the first and at the moment the last ever wrestling show internationally to take place in North Korea. And you'll sort of see why as we go on. Uh, it took place over two days on the 28th and the 29th of April 1995. And it was originally called, get this, Pyongyang International Sports and Culture Festival for Peace. Oh, that was a Noki's uh, tagline. It was, peace. it was. Wasn't this all like a big play by Noki to get re-elected? Because he was in like Yakuza st- scandals and shit. Yeah, guns this, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, this was all basically a Noki. I mean, to begin with, this was all a Noki's baby somewhat. He contacted Eric Bischoff to say, basically, I want to do this show. And it boiled down to the fact that Anoki had very, very bad press in Japan due to all these backhanded dealings. And he thought that this, a pay-per-view in North Korea, would somehow manage to boost his political numbers. Um, And, yeah, that's where the genesis for the Pyongyang International Sports and Culture Festival for Peace... (laughs) Um, I thought you were going to say genocide. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of what we're going to say. Um, I know me and Garth have listened to this. Chris, I never actually asked if you did. Um, oh, I did a little time on the way home from uni. Yeah. And to be fair, I already knew a lot of this, but like hearing it from an actual person's mouth. Bischoff did not like melt the verse at all. No, you listen to anyone out of uh, something to wrestle 83 weeks or... Uh, what happened when, and none of them like Meltzer because they'll just go, he's not, he wasn't there. How the fuck does he know? Um, but <laughs> the thing is, half the time he seems to have known and it's just getting under that skin. Yes, I think that's what it is. I think it's more a case of how the fuck does he know? Uh, but you're right, Chris. Hearing all of this from Bischoff's mouth, you know, exactly what happened, exactly the feelings of going to that country. And that stark contrast to the United States. I mean, even before they went, okay, he felt so... Like, the entire thing, he wanted to go because he knew no one else wanted to go there. He wanted it to be this sort of more international recognition for WCW. Um, and he saw it as only a good thing. He he has admitted now, if he knew what he knew about North Korea, now, before he went, he wouldn't have gone. But obviously, not a lot was... No, it was obviously known as not the greatest place, but certainly not to the extent that Eric Bischoff and the rest of the WCW roster would soon find out. Interesting to note as well, before we get into it, that Ric Flair wasn't the first choice to take on Antonio Inoki. Who was it, Garth? The immortal one, Hulkster. Hulk Hogan, who basically, upon hearing that Eric Bischoff wanted to take him to North Korea, apparently looked at him and went, 
yeah, I don't think I'm available for that, brother. Um, so, <laughs> well, well done, Hulk Hogan. Um, <laughs> Bischoff said... Dodge a bullet by the sound of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's quite funny because uh, Bischoff actually says... Imagine having North Koreans would react to Hogan. Say again. Imagine having North Koreans would react to Hogan. Um, probably in complete WCW, silence, so he, Chris. He had like the um, Born and Raised in the USA theme song at this point because he's in WCW, so coming out to that in North Korea. With this flag. Yeah. <laughs> Proper rub like rubbing their faces and yeah, we're so much better he than you. He wouldn't be able to go. He wouldn't be able to go over because he'd be shot. Well, yeah. to be honest, I'm amazed. I'm amazed this this entire show went off relatively without a hitch. Um, when you consider the animosity that North Korea housed towards the West and especially the United States, even now, you know, even then because of their involvement in like South Korea and things like that. It's it's baffling that everything went off without a hitch. Um but I mean stuff was that bad that you couldn't get a flight from America to North Korea. They had to go to Japan and then get a military aircraft yeah. from Japan to North <laughs> Korea. Just that alone and- is ridiculous. Apparently it was like 40 years old from like the Korean War. (laughs) Without any permission from anybody. Yeah. The big thing is to state that Eric Bischoff asked no one's one's permission. It's great because my kids do this. They'll do something and their rationale is, yeah, but if I ask, he'll say no. So I just won't ask and then he won't say no. And that's pretty much what Bischoff did here. He thought, if I don't inform anyone I'm going and... He obviously... yeah, that's basically that's basically my niece's attitude towards kicking my brother. I think it's everyone's attitude, like deep down. If I don't ask, people won't say no. Um, so yeah, basically, the first thing Bischoff actually had to do, though, and he admits that this was a lot more difficult than he first thought it was going to be, was actually find wrestlers to go into North Korea. And yeah, apparently very few people actually wanted to go. Unsurprisingly, I think. Um, I mean, like I'm not gonna lie, Rob. If you if you asked me to go to somewhere even slightly inconvenient, I probably wouldn't. So, like going to North Korea, <laughs> doing a live episode of Podmania from North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> like, and even like you join us a Podmania at the Somme. It's just like no. Yeah, exactly. We, I mean. It, I don't understand Bischoff's rationale because he explains it in the podcast, 83 Weeks, and he says, yeah, it was exposure for for WCW, and it was like, yes, but it's from North Korea. Who the fuck? The CNN, CNN didn't even bother showing it. <laughs> no, no. no CNN, CNN would like, no, because Ted Turner would probably get shit if people realised um, he was in any way affiliated. Well, jumping ahead slightly now, North Korea at the time had two television channels. Both television channels only showed government propaganda. No one in this country at all knew what the fuck wrestling was. Well, they know who Ricky Tosu is. Yeah, apart from that. But they've got no way of knowing who they are. They've got no idea who Ric Flair is, yet he's wrestling Antonio Inoki. They've got no idea who these people are. 
Yet, Bischoff seems to think that this is going to be fantastic exposure for his company. Even if, right, there was one North Korean in that 355,000 <laughs> person attendance that turned up at the Mayday Stadium, one person thinks, do you know what? I quite like the uh, quite like the cut of this WCW. How the fuck is he even going to watch it? Just mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Um, to be fair, to be fair, once you've went so long about food, you do start to hallucinate. So true. I mean, this this is horrendous. Um, one of the things that Bischoff says once they land is that you go through the streets of Pyongyang and all the other places. Well, it was mainly Pyongyang. I think they stayed. I don't think they went outside there. But there was no. No, it was just between like the airport and Pyongyang. Like even now, when tourists go to North Korea, they're sort of hustled into the city and not taken anywhere else because you know get dead cat and like carcasses being eaten as sort of a corporate liability so. yeah it's not exactly greatest pr is it i mean he does no. say there's no there's no rats there's no pigeons there's no squirrels or anything because if they were running about they'd be caught eat them all. yeah exactly it's edible these people were starving and apparently that was in the city. That was Pyongyang, which is the capital of North Korea and one of, the, well, the richest city in North Korea. Outside of that, people apparently, and apparently this was widespread at the time, and apparently it was covered quite well throughout international media, people were eating their own dead because they were that short on food. I can't even begin to fathom why these people who can't get food want to watch a 20-minute time limit draw between Shinya Hashimoto and Scott Norton. Have they suffered enough? Yeah, exactly. They've suffered enough. Why the fuck would they want to spend 20 minutes watching Scott Norton stumble round the ring? It's ju it just seems like unnecessary torture. Um, anyway, sure enough, Bischoff manages to get together this sort of ragtag WCW crew and basically they get to North Korea and it is horrendous is how it's basically described. Just absolutely awful. Um they have their passports taken instantly. Um they are questioned extensively. They're they're um, given their own security and translators. Um they're made to do basically PR for the North Korean government. Um, another big thing to point out at the time, North Korea was in a massive state of mourning at this point because the leader, the first leader of North Korea, who'd ruled since basically the country's inception in 1948, Kim Il-sung. Let me try that again. Kim Il-sung. He was basically a god to Kim these people. He was basically a god to these people and he just died and the country was in massive mourning. So like there were statues up of him and everyone was, you know, in you know, horrible, horrible states of mourning. And again, Tony Onoki thought, this is my to. time. Say again. Because <laughs> they were taught to be in mourning. Well, yeah, exactly. And To be fair, this person is basically built up as like Jesus Christ without the Romans to fuck it all up. So, Well, as uh, Ric Flair tells, tells it in his book, and so does actually Scott Norton, in his book as well, and they talk about how they're sort of rushed from place to place to place to place to place, and how a lot of it is visiting um, local landmarks and things like that. And on these landmarks, they'd be given this spiel 
about how, you know, about certain things in history. And Bischoff tells a story about World War Two. Did you hear this on the podcast? Mm-hmm. That basically the reason, or one of the reasons that the North Koreans hated Americans so much was because during the war, they'd killed and murdered millions and millions of North Koreans. And the Japanese surrender, pardon me, the famous Japanese surrender that was mainly down to the American army, apparently, according to North Korean people, was down to the North Korean army. And they were saying this to all to these Americans, these Westerners, and they were just looking at them going, how, how can you possibly think this? But because they're pretty much, at this point, cut off from the outside world, Oh, yeah. How on earth would they know? Propaganda. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, again, from Bischoff, he says that the only colour in the city was propaganda posters for the government. You just, you cannot imagine this sort of living in this way, can you, at all? And yet... Yeah, I, did, I didn't used to have to before you made as much for living in Korea. And yet, mm. Antonio Inoki thought, North Korea should be the venue to put on an international sports and culture festival right. for peace. You, you, you are acting like Antonio Inoki was ever a logical man. <laughs> I just, I find it baffling. And I, I have found this pay-per-view to be an absolute drag, but the backstory of it just fascinating, mainly because of the juxtaposition between the Western world and how these people were living because it is abhorrent it's abhorrent that north korea was living in this absolute strife when you've got south korea which at this point was relatively affluent relatively you know in comparison to north korea and it's, it's just yeah that's sort of like saying um off ham it's more edible than a rock how is it <laughs> <laughs> How is that the same thing? Because, <laughs> like, you can, you can technically eat off ham, but you can't eat a rock. What, the rock? <laughs> well, Daph, if you want to eat the rock, that's completely up to you. He is a bit of, he is a, bit of a beefcake after all. I, I don't know how to respond to that. Um, anyway... <laughs> Uh, right, anyway, Meltzer reports the ticket prices for this show. And this stadium is enormous. Um, 165,000 people reportedly turned up on the first night, with 190,000 people turning up on the second night, which, of course, is a grand total of 355,000 people. Meltzer reports that the ticket price is pretty much priced anybody in North Korea, out of going. So the fact that there was a sellout sort of indicates that they were there by force, which I think everybody watching this show realised anyway. You either go or we're going to shoot you. I think was probably the message given to them. Am I right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, um, but to be fair, that's how you get us to do this podcast, so... Well, yeah, and know your fucking place, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they're going to take me. No, my dog, <laughs> Um Just one more, just one more story. Um, Scott Norton, apparently, 
at this point during this entire tour was starting to, for all intents and purposes, lose his shit. Um, obviously, I think I would be the same having had my passport taken off me, being herded into twos and herded into the back of cars to be put on basically this PR tour. Um, they were put into the hotel and he w- he wanted to ring his wife and somehow, bafflingly, he managed to get a call through North Korean operators to his wife in America. <laughs> you were going to collect call from North Korea, were you accept the charges? <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. Um, so his wife obviously picks up the phone. He then begins to spout off about how fucking terrible this country is, to which, obviously, it's North Korea. Government officials are monitoring all phone calls. So his phone call is cut off. Men arrive very, very quickly at Scott Norton's door. He's arrested, taken to the basement of the hotel interrogated and then taken to another hotel where basically he's kept under 24-7 surveillance. I'm not going to lie. After seeing that Scott Norton Shinya Hashimoto match, I really wish they'd have shot him. <laughs> it's it's not a match that's going to live long in the Podmania memory, is it? No, it is, because it's probably the worst non-Dormarie match we've reviewed. <laughs> the worst non-Dormarie match. Brilliant. Um, it's the worst match Matt Ga- um, Garth has been on, and he reviewed Impact for a year. Hey. <laughs> Anything Impact is better than this shit. I'm afraid I stand by yeah. Garth on that, yeah. Yeah, no, even like the worst of TNA is better than this. Um, the, this wasn't shown on pay per view. Obviously, as you've said, Garth, CNN refused to air it, which I think is quite funny, mm-hmm. especially as the owner of CNN was Ted Turner, the owner of WCW, um, and they refused to air it. Eventually, it aired in North America on August 4th, 1995, under the package of Collision in Korea, um, and it was basically matches from both nights clumped together in a, and I'll put this in in inverted commas, easily digestible two-hour pay-per-view with commentary provided by Eric Bischoff, Mike Tanay, and Ishikawa, who of course is Sonny Uno. I've this... eaten Lego pieces, but easy, easy, more easily digested than this. Honestly, the only thing more less charismatic than the crowd was the commentary. Like <laughs> they did it like three months after the event as well. They did. Yeah, so like there's no excitement at all. There's no excitement. They do it in front of a green screen. Sonny Uno just sorry, sorry. Sonny Onu has absolutely no idea. It, I don't think he even knows what day it is, to be perfectly honest. He is on there apparently because obviously he's more familiar with the New Japan wrestlers. But Mike Tanay knows them anyway. He knows them all. It's, Mike Tanay was really fucking knowledgeable. Actually. He was. It's quite funny though because it's it's not the worst thing Mike Tanay has ever had to work with. Have you heard him when he had to fucking commentate with Dusty? No. <sighs> Like he was like a he so like Rey Mysterio and he's like going through all these points about Rey Mysterio, and then Dusty's like, yeah, he flippy. I mean, he like do the flippy dippy things <laughs> with a foodie booty. <laughs> Just makes up words most of the time, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> I miss Dusty. I mean, for all the great things Dusty did for wrestling, commentary was not one of them. 
to be f- to be fair, when you hear about it in like a non-commentary context, it's really funny. Like how Dean Ambrose got his name. It's like <laughs> he gave he went up to him, pitched the name to Dustin. He was like, hmm, Dean, like James Dean. I like it. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> he just sounds like such a guy. He just sounds like such a lad, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> lad, lad, lad. I just I. We'll get. We'll break down these matches. Really, we're just stalling, so we don't need to talk about. <laughs> we the are, and I just, is there anything else anyone wants to discuss regarding the backstory? I was, gonna, I was, I was, I was going to suggest why don't we do weird thing, weird bits of trivia about this as we go along, so we can break up the fucking matches. Okay. I like, uh, I, I did like the entrance music. It was very sort of a uh, upbeat, sort of uh, guitar hero rock. Please, you couldn't tell. Like, it, I only realised it was piped in after listening to the Bischoff one big, um, podcast because the crowd was so silent. There wasn't any sort of audio discrepancy. I was just going to say, <laughs> it's always nice to hear entrance music when the, clou- when the crowd is fucking dead. Not literally, <laughs> obviously. It's, it's funny because, like, as a Japanese wrestling fan, you have to and contend with people going, oh, but, like, the crowd's so dead. And I'm sort of like... You can't tell me the crowds in Tokyo Dome are dead because they make noise. There is no noise. Like, the only noise you would possibly hear in this is a gunshot jamming in the darkness. It's not great. Um, Just a quick question. Just a quick question, right? If this was a show in the US and you look at this card and, you know, say it's promoted as a supercar between New Japan and World Championship Wrestling, you wouldn't go to this. No. I mean... To be fair, they might draw on the back of Flair and Oki. I, I, I mean, the state of this undercard is an absolute travesty. I mean, I know we it's joke not about... Bad on, to be fair, it's not bad on paper. I mean, I know we joke about the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match and how it went 20 minutes. But that was comfortably the longest match by over five minutes. This went longer than a Noki versus Ric Flair. The thing that this entire thing was based upon, it went five minutes longer. I mean, I know Antonio Noki and Ric Flair were both ancient at this time. I think Ric Flair was 47 at this point. I mean, to be fair, I can't remember a time when Ric Flair wasn't 47, but... <laughs> Gosh, just... probably can. <laughs> Same age, aren't they? Um... <laughs> 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 Woo! <laughs> it was Garth who gave him the name. Um, are, you, are you currently suing for the rights of the man? I was just going to say that. <laughs> oh, that, that is the most ridiculous lawsuit. The most ridiculous lawsuit. Um, anyway, let's let's start at the very beginning. Uh, we open with Wild Pegasus defeating Two Cold Scorpio in singles action in six minutes and twenty-two seconds, and. I hated this match for one reason, and that was because it gave me false hope. I watched this yeah. match and thought, do you know what? This isn't going to be the worst pay-per-view because, obviously, it's Chris Benoit and, and Two Cold Scorpio, both very, very good workers. It was Otherwise a flawless, known as Flash Funk. Otherwise known as Flash Funk. Both really good workers. The match came off as very flawless, no, no botches. Very, very easy to watch. Um, I think Meltzer gave this four stars. Um, a really, really, really enjoyable match. The only thing that ruined it for me, really, was the fact that it went six minutes. This could have easily gone twelve. We didn't have 12. time to sell. Exactly. This we could just have gone didn't twelve have time minutes. To sell. Um, 
But yeah, so, this was really, this is, yeah, both men are really good. Um, Tuco and Scorpio really needed to rethink his ring gear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Like, um, like imagine if you walked out in like a Scottish crowd wearing the fucking St George's flag, and then take that nuclear quite literally, and. Yeah. <laughs> Like so those cool... holding up cards with nuclear missiles on them. <laughs> oh, that is oh, something my, we'll we get need to, to talk that. about, don't we? That is something <laughs> we do need to talk about. We'll, we'll have to. This, this, like this was this felt like a just an exit, like a crude way exhibition you'd see on like WCW Saturday Night or whatever, and it was fun enough. Like if this headlined like a TV nowadays, it wouldn't be out of place. Like both men are kind of ahead of their time. Um. There's like no crazy bumps, which is quite nice. Yeah. The, the tombstone is a tombstone counter, always yeah. fun. A, a crowd favorite when you're not in Korea. It was okay. I enjoy. I I did quite enjoy it. I enjoy. It. I like the whole. Um, obviously, like it started off with a test of strength, but then they carried it through to the pins, and then they're sort of trying to push each other at the mat and things like that. I thought that was really sort of good little spot. Yeah, I mean, there was there was nothing not to enjoy about this match. Again, just I wish it had gone a little bit longer. And you're right, Chris, because Eric Bischoff says, you know, they were always on the scout for talent because obviously this was when the WCW brand was starting to push these cruiserweights. And obviously um, Chris Benoit would go on to become a member of the WCW roster and quite a prominent one as well. Um, he killed it. Oh, that's, that's bad phrasing. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to make that joke? <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I wanted to make it in No Mercy, but I really also wanted to get across how good that match was, so I did. <laughs> I would give this seven stars. I would give it eight, but I don't think it went long enough to give it eight. I give it six. I don't think any match below ten minutes can really make it play for seven, really. Like, it would need to be exceptional, and like this was the sort of good, solid... Like, I, I would agree with you if it went 12 or something, but not at the length it was. It's all down to Garth now. Okay, I went six. I don't ah, think there's anything bastard. on this card that went higher. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, I think you gave it seven out of I think you gave it seven out of expectation. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think I looked at it next to the rest of this card and then thought this was probably the best match. To be to, to be fair, this isn't the best match on the card for me. It's third, believe it or not. I bet I can guess what your top match was. Can I have a wild guess now? Sure. Because you are a huge smart. I mean, you admit <laughs> that. Admit that. I, ca- I can't not. Like, I mean, I'm wearing a Kid Lycos shirt right now. So Doing I a can't. podcast about wrestling? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just. A, oh, right. Okay. Exactly. And My we've favorite match I've seen live is that progress show. Exactly. And we've watched an obscure pay per view from North fucking Korea. Um, I bet it was the Josie, ma- Josie match. It actually wasn't. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into we'll get into that later. Was it the Steiner brothers? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, I I liked I just I just liked the Steiner brothers. Anyway, so that was match one. Really good match. I again fill me with false hope. To be perfectly honest, the second match uh, where Yuji Nagata defeated. All right, let me get this right. Takamitsu Ish- Ishizawa. I hope I've got that right. He's a former IWGP junior heavyweight champion, and obviously Yuji Nagata will go on to be the IWGP heavyweight champion. This went four minutes and 28 seconds. And again, this 
was very seamless. A lot of transit, a lot of mat, a lot of mat wrestling, a lot of strong stuff. It was even line match. Yeah, I thought it was worked very, very well. It's the match we see a hundred times on New Japan shows. Yeah, like you said, Chris, with the Young Lions. We've seen Ren Narita and Shota Umino do this match four or five times this year. But it was still a nice pace. It was a good match to watch. Again, just went too short. Chris? Yeah, it's quite weird seeing Nagata in this sort of... It's basically baby Nagata. Like, I get he could still kick my ass, but I was watching this thinking it was quite adorable. Because um, now I'm just used to him being like a prune who can slap you really hard. But what a fantastic yeah, way of describing like, Nagata. <laughs> I I can like there's nothing really to note in this match. Like it's a passable young lion match, but like it's not anything really. No, there's nothing that instantly stands out as holy shit that move. But it was a really really it was because it's a young lion match. match. They can't do that. No, it was a solid match. I will admit, though, it's quite mm-hmm. funny seeing Yuji Nagata, or Nagata, depending on how you say it. I do find it interesting that here he is a junior and having just come off a match with Jushin Thunder Liger, and obviously now he is seen as, you know, um, one of the heavyweights and, you know, a dad of New Japan. I just find it really weird that, you know... A daddy. Yeah, he <laughs> a daddy. Uh, Garth, what did you think? I mean, I enjoyed it. It was all right for what it was. The problem is that the copy I was watching was so shit. It was hard to tell the difference because they both have exactly the same ring gear on. That's racist. It's, 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 that is quite racist. That's really racist, Garth. Garth. It's people like you who called Brexit, Garth. It is. Do you know what, Garth? Fuck this. I'm stopping the podcast, prick. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please continue, Garth. I think Garth but, hates it like, the, the quality of the match I was watching was so shit. Like I say, it was like really like bitty. Yeah. Um like really fucking pixelated and honestly like at times i was like which one like i had to look at like the body weight like the body sizes that was the only to be, be completely yeah. to be completely fair um he hasn't seen as many nagata matches as us because once you know nagata he has a pretty distinct nose he has but i, I will see the faces. Up garth here and say they they were wearing the exact same ring gear which didn't help yeah because they're young they're fucking they're young, young lions. lions i know but, I like I literally couldn't see their faces half like most of the time, unless it was like the close-ups when they were like doing the math stuff. Yeah. When it was like the the long shots, it was really fucking hard to. to other than like I said, the body type. But when they were moving, it was such a shit fucking quality. It was so hard to watch. It was. But it was good. I enjoyed it. It was all right. It was. But this was the worst match for that for the for the you, the long shots the fucking. They kept using like the hard camp all the time. This one and the 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 first tag match. The hard cam wasn't even um like centered for some reason. It was like it was a slightly very up. weird angle. It very was just, weird. Like I say, like I enjoyed it, but like I couldn't because I don't know the, the people as well and the commentary was so bad. Like the commentary's I, off. I don't I even see- know if the commentary that I was watching on the, the stream that I had was like behind slightly because it kept calling moves like after the fact they'd done them like well after the fact and it, so the, it was just really confusing but like commentary sort of felt like all three of them had different roles but we didn't sort of sync so like Tanae was there to put get over how important things are to get over stories 
Bischoff's there to basically sell it. And then Sonny Uno's there to make me want to fucking die. See, he just pipes up every 10, 15 minutes. With with something stupid and like some fucking just, oh yeah, the Japanese are better. Yes, Uno. We're, we're free smarts on the internet watching this. We fucking get it. Fuck off. Like, as far as the match goes, like, it, it should have went longer because they couldn't, they didn't really have time to do anything with it. To, to be fair, oh. that's the same. Same. They don't let them go long. We basically just go out, do what they've learned, and then yeah. go back. So, well, it was fine. It was just fine. Yeah, the the commentary was an issue in um, in the Joshi match as well, uh, when Bull Nakano hits the leg drop for the win, and the commentary team and the camera are both behind. So the camera's pointing at something else, so we miss the move to start off with, and then the commentary team are behind as well. So whether that's because they're watching the same stream as we are and they can't see it, or... You know what the worst thing with commentary was? They called a fucking moonsault a finishing hold. <laughs> Their lack of chemistry this much was is, terrible. This matches the point where I turned it off and I had to go and find a different version. And the way I found the, different, the best version was through the podcast they had a link to it really and it was in the fucking podcast yeah i watched it on youtube same here i did but the the one that i found was like in parts and it was so shit oh um, man i wish you had said that. i just sent you the link we oh, watched we, yeah we did we just you just put in collision and career it's like the top result it's the top oh, result yeah. yeah what were you watching that i found was, <laughs> was, it, was in, it was in like Four parts. Did, did we just assume it wasn't on YouTube and went to? We talked about it being on YouTube in the chat. I just googled it and it was the first one that came up. Ah. I, think was, I, think, I think it was on like Daily Motion or Vimeo oh, or something. No, no. See, you made a terrible uh, no. mistake. Terrible mistake. Um, but then I found the, the, the good version through the podcast. Ah, there it's you weird, go. Because is normally the most um, technologically. Um, I was about to say in that, but that's the opposite of what I'm trying to say. Adept. Not in that. Adept. Out of, Adept. Adept. There we go. Out of the three of us. I know, but it was like I was just frantically trying to find it because I hadn't watched it. <laughs> and how glad are you that you've watched it now? I'm so glad I didn't go to bed till like midnight last night. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can tell people now. You are one of those smarts that has sought out Collision in Korea to watch. Um, anyway, I'd give it five. Yep, five. Yeah, I get, like, literally, the, yeah, it's the definition of a five. Just, like, nothing yeah. flashy. Solid, nothing, nothing flashy. So, I wasn't bored. I just want to quickly, at this point, before we go into match three, um, stalling for the fact that I can't remember a single thing that happened in match three, um, I, I think we need to bring up these cards. And, basically, the... <laughs> They were treating this like some kind of Olympic opening ceremony. And they had these cards that they the crowd would hold up. And obviously, the way they moved them made it look like a moving picture. And they were incredible and really, really good to look out. Look, is, sorry. is this what you lads did before gifts existed? Yeah, pretty much, mate. This is what we used to do at the cinema. We just had to employ people to move the pictures for us using cards. Uh, very, very, very missed art, to be perfectly honest. It's like barrel making. doesn't really happen anymore. Um, so they had these big, enormous pictures going around the stadium and they looked incredible until one of them 
very, very clearly depicted a nuclear missile being <laughs> fired from North Korea and over the United States of America. They made that abundantly clear. Now, I must, I must say... It's an edited show. Why did, why did they put it in? I, baffles me. Baffles me, Chris. I've got no idea. Because Bischoff spoke about that before I watched the show. And I was like, well, that's not going to be in. And then watched as this missile flew from North Korea over the United States. I was like, the fuck is this? Why would you come to our show just to boo us? Well, there's that wonderful anecdote where Eric Bischoff is in the back of his car in the back of this car that's taking them places and the the um the translator slash uh, like CIA woman uh, North Korean secret police whatever you want to call her turned round and said to I think it was was it him and Sonny Ono he was with or was he with Yeah uh, no um, yeah it was with Sonny Ono cuz that's was his partner and it's just like don't you dare rape our women That's <laughs> right no it wasn't don't you dare it was just deadpan while you are here you must not rape our women because that's what well, they thought. Thing is, the implication in that statement is, like, do other raping you want once you leave here. That's not none of our concern. Just don't rape our women. Just don't rape our women. Okay? They're, what are you doing your own time? It's, it's just absolutely, yeah. I, I can't get my head around well, it. I genuinely can't. I, I, I really hope I don't get taken out of context in the future. Well... Anyway. Just a video clip of us saying, don't rape our women. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to match three, tag team match between Masahiro Chono and Hirosato defeating El Samurai and Tara Yasuda in eight minutes and six seconds. This match was incredibly dull. Um, it was so dull. I was so disappointed. You look at the talent in this match, Saito, Chono, El Samurai even, and this was boring. It was just ground and hold for long, long periods. Was this before or after Chono's injury? Like where he broke his neck? Uh... 95. It must be after. And if, no, because 95 often being um, ECW by now, so yeah, this would be after. I just don't understand how in an eight minutes match... You've got enough time to put the the amount of rest holds that these four men put on. Just a young ridiculous. Randy Orton watches it. A young Randy Orton watches and take notes. <laughs> rest hold, rest hold, rest hold, rest hold, rest hold. RKO. Um, yeah, very, very boring. Very, very. Not even. I can't even say by the numbers because I wonder with a couple of these matches if. I mean, you go out and you go out and perform in front of 190,000 people. Because obviously these matches were uh, from night one and night two. But even so, 165,000 on the lower drawing night. You're performing in front of this, but it must be such a bizarre experience, a slightly otherworldly to perform in front of that amount of people and to have no reaction to anything you do. It must be like wrestling in the um, eye of a storm. Almost, yeah. Like, you know that there are people there, but you can't hear them. And, like, they, they were silent throughout this show. It was almost like there wasn't anyone there. There were impact shows with more chance than this. Yeah, because the impact shows paid them to chance. True story. Um, but honestly, this match was 
I, I don't remember anything, and that's not because I didn't make notes. I just I, there was nothing to make notes on. Um, I mean, it's it's a three star match. I just put eh, no boxes, but it kind of bored me. I mean, surely that's the definition of three stars. I, I gave it four because I don't want to give Cho now three, but I kind of have to agree with you. Garth? Yeah, I'll go three. It's just. I'm, yeah. I'm really annoyed with this is Garth's introduction to Harvey's people. I'll tell you what, next time we do a more a more retro well, retro pay-per-view, we'll give him a decent Chono show. Or a decent fucking anyone on this fucking card. One that is without Scott Norton, I think is very, very pivotal to his enjoyment of the show. Or fucking 90s New Japan Belfast. Yes, exactly. Um, so we then move on to the Joshi tag team match, which is one of the better matches of the night between Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto, defeating Manama Toyota and Mariko Yoshida in 8 minutes and 34 seconds. Good match, very good match, though slightly stinted by the fact that Eric Bischoff and Mike Tanay spent more time talking about Bull Nakano's hair. To be fair, imagine how, like, North Korea, like, I know Bishop said it, but, like, as, as dictatorships are, have a way of how people have to look, and then fucking Bruno Tano comes out. <laughs> like, yeah. it must look, like, imagine if, like, the Sugar Puffs monster walked into class one day, that's basically what happened here. Jesus Christ, is the Sugar Puffs monster even still a thing? I, I hope so, I hope he's not dead. 20, damn it, 2016. Right. Didn't mean dead. <laughs> just meant, mm-hmm. is he still an advertising thing? That's what I meant. I don't think we can... We're not allowed to advertise Sugar Puffs anymore. It's because they... You're not allowed to advertise... We are pretty shit, to be fair. To be fair, but my family can never afford Sugar Puffs, so we got little home brand Sugar Puffs. <laughs> sugar Puffes. <laughs> <laughs> sugar spelt S-U-G-A. <laughs> It's Scotland, so it's just sugar poofs. <laughs> sugar poofs. <laughs> Chris, what did you think of this match? I really enjoyed this. I, I, this is the one thing where I was watching and going, ah, Garth is going to hate these people because this was objectively really good. Um, Toyota is amazing. So is Bonacano. So is all of them. But like, honestly, this could have been the main event of like two or five live, and people go, yeah, this two or five live was real fucking good this week. Like the fact that this is these women performing on sort of like in a weird environment sort of shows you how good they are. And I think Tanae did a great job of putting over how exclusive it is to be among this, the organization they were in, which I thought was really good. And I love them all. Toyota is just one of the best. Goth. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, probably my second favorite on the card. Yeah, just it was just a in light of what's to come and most of what came before it. These people actually seemed to sort of put some thought into the match, and the there was some story to it, and there was I don't know, it was just a fun. It was actually fun, well, sort of flawed match. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's weird for in this retro. Um, thing we're do- doing that Bonacano probably has one of the higher averages. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. It's the second Bonacano match we've reviewed. What makes me... 
I think I, I agree with you, Garth. I think this match had a lot more thought put into it, but it also seems like this was probably, bar the first match, was probably the only match where there seemed to be palpable chemistry between the competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, because they probably were wrestling all the fucking time. Well, so. yeah, because they were all part of All Japan Women. But I thought it was ironic, really, that aside from probably this match and the Wild Pegasus Two Cold Scorpio match, there was no chemistry, and that was reflected in the commentary because there was fucking no co- no chemistry there at all. At all, and yeah, just ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, but this match, decent, fast paced, hard hitting. Any when Bull Nakano came off the top rope for a leg drop, Re- I, I enjoyed it. I think this was another set. I think this was seven. I'd give it a seven. I really, really enjoyed it. Like, I kind of want to do big egg for a wrestling universe, but I know that's never going to happen. So, I'm just happy we managed to get Toyota on one of these shows. <laughs> um, Garth. Yeah, I'll go seven. It's good. Yeah. Sweet. We then move on to in what my in my uh, mind this was the main event. Whatever followed this had a lot to live up to because and and I would quite like to read the messages that Garth sent to the group whilst watching this match. Um <laughs> because he was not a happy bunny when he realised he'd wasted twenty minutes of his life watching a twenty <laughs> Oh, here we go. Right, so, his first match was Fuck This Norton v. Japanese Greg Valentine. It's awful. So, at this point, you can tell how annoying Garth is because he's calling Hashimoto Japanese Greg Valentine. Uh, then... Just, a- just, just as a quick thing, how much did he know about Hashimoto before this show? Doesn't matter. Hang on. Hang on. Eight minutes later, we then had another message saying, This is so slow. And then a very, very angry message. A fucking draw? What a load of shite. Just very, very angry Garth. Um, Yes, this was the IWGP heavyweight championship match where Hashimoto retains having fought Scott Norton to... This wasn't even a title match, was it? Yeah, it was. It was for the IWGP heavyweight championship. It was the longest feeling 20-minute time limit. Like, I'm not joking. Omega Ricardo went an hour, and this felt longer. Like, good grief. (laughs) And if you think about it, right, this is the same sort of time. um, In fact, it's later, obviously, than Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels doing an hour. And that, that literally was an hour with no pinfalls. So... Yep. I don't understand. I mean, I know Scott Norton has never been blessed with good working capabilities, and he was probably terrified that he was still under 24-hour surveillance for ringing his wife and slagging off North Korea. But that is no excuse for producing this slow, lethargic... It was like they were wrestling in quicksand. It was the most boring, plodding... It wasn't even strong style. You can't even put it away by saying, yeah, but you won't see the beating they took. It was just dull the fact that i didn't even bother trying to i, I and when gas started going off and i only said one thing trying to defend hashimoto and i'm like nah i can't defend this match. 
there's no way of defending this match, Chris. There's nothing in 20 no. minutes. I mean, we said about the Nagata Ishizawa match. That was four and a half minutes, and we said there wasn't a lot to talk about because it only because it was four and a half minutes. There was more to talk about in that four and a half minutes than there was in this entire 20 minute time limit draw, Garth. It was just. I, I got so bored during this match that I didn't even take notes on the match. I just started. That's the thing. Um, I don't have any notes for it because there was nothing of note. Like I, I knew it was going to a draw, so I just made a list of things I'd rather be doing. I'd rather I mean, be doing for 20 minutes. Like, uh, like Norton got up on the rope once and then missed. <laughs> <laughs> like, really shit. I, I got to the end of this and I just said I'd rather be stuck in the lift with my ex for 20 minutes than watch this. I, there are a lot of things I'd rather be doing, but this, yeah, not not memorable. Certainly not an IWGP championship defence that lives long in the memory. It was worse than the tag team match. It went longer than the tag team match. It had a result that benefited no one. It had no heat Obviously, it suffered the same as every other match with the cra- with the lack of crowd involvement. The commentary team couldn't get it over. It's got to be two stars for me. I gave it two as well, and I'm not, literally only got two because I respect Hashimoto too much to give him one. I'll go with that. It's a shit. Yeah, absolutely shite. And following this, we then had a squash match. Yes. Some people had turned up on this show to be squashed. Yasuda. <laughs> had turned up to North Korea, braved being shot at, braved being basically part of this horrible dictatorship, and he was squashed in 2 minutes and 21 seconds by a very, very uncooperative road warrior hawk. He was, he was in the tag match earlier. So. Even so. Yeah, to be fair, I was, I, the only note I have here is, can Hawk even sell? There was no chance Hawk thing, was selling any offence. Because that's the thing, the road warriors are dead. Like, I love them, but really cunty in the ring. It's just like, tell you what, make it sell for you, basically. <laughs> we will sell for you, but prove to me, prove to me that it's worth my time. Go on. And now, like, I, I had an easier time getting my niece to eat a broccoli. Hey, broccoli's decent. I'm not talking about broccoli. No, right. (laughs) (laughs) That that is how little I've enjoyed this show. I would rather talk about fucking broccoli. Um, I used to think broccoli was mini trees, and I was scared to eat it in case it got wood in my mouth. (laughs) God, what do you think about this match, man? Uh... All two minutes and 21 seconds of it. It was just fucking I uh, typical a typical hawk thing. He wasn't gonna sell. And at that point where was it uh, like a like a tiger suplex or something? He just fucking jumped straight up and close lined him. It's like oh <laughs> No, exactly. I know where this is going. It was at that point. It's <laughs> like not even in like an eat like the biggest promotion in Japan at this point was based around like no selling at the correct time Hawk just no sold for the sake of it it was at that point that <laughs> like, the shooter realised like this is realized... fighting spirit it was just it was ridiculous but I'd still give it more than 
the previous match, I think it was three stars. <laughs> I was at least laughing in this match. I was like, oh, Hawk, you fucking scamp. There was a Tiger <laughs> suplex that instantly gives it one more mark. Yeah. Everyone agree three stars? Yeah. How depressing yeah. is that that a two-minute squash match got a higher grade than an IWGB heavyweight championship defense? The fucking state of this show. Right. We then move on to some decent wrestling. And you can always count on the Steiner Brothers as a tag team to produce decent wrestling. It's the Steiner Brothers defeating Hiroshi Hase and Kensuke Sasaki in 11 minutes and 51 seconds. I'm going to go over to Chris because I know he's dying to mark out over this match. It was was just four big men knocking lumps at each other and... I, I'm a Japanese wrestling fan, so yes, I quite enjoy this. Um, fucking, I love like it's amazing. You forget how athletic the fucking signers were, especially when you see Scott later, like not five years after this. Yeah. Like the state he was in, and the, the hero is basically fucking Kurt Angle. Like it's unbelievable. Like um, there was a catching belly to belly suplex from an axe handle. I'm like, whoa, fucking, what year is this? I love I. I, this is not like the feeling I got from this match was ugh, I wish this match was on any other show so I could have more fun watching it. Like because I think the crowd really deflated this match for me. Garth, because um oh sorry I thought you'd finish, Chris. Uh, well, no, it's two things. First of all, because um D- Antonio Noki definitely liked the Japanese and said it was a note to the North Koreans and said this this was all a shit. As something you know, he definitely did as much as Bischoff wants to deny it. Uh, Garth, what did it, you think? Antonio Inoki. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was excellent. Just it, It's been so long since I've seen like the Steiner Brothers match that I did genuinely forget what a good team they were. And how good Scott fucking um, Steiner used to be. Before... You know what really annoyed me most in this match? Probably missed the finish again. Yeah. I love the bit where um, Scott Steiner picked up... Uh, who was it he picked up and just chucked him out of the ring? And he didn't even look to see if there was anyone there to catch him. He just fucking chucked him. <laughs> <laughs> was that good or was it just being horrendously dangerous? <laughs> you can just tell Scott uh, Steiner's like such an arsehole. <laughs> Well, there's that story that Bischoff tells about when they went to oh, yeah. the um, banquet and it was like all this food that they would like chick in and all this and he took a bite of it and he just fucking spat it out. He's like, what's this disgusting shit? And he chucked it on the ground like he's fucking like, so disrespectful. <laughs> Again, we said at the start of the podcast that some North Korean people were forced to eat their own dead because they got no food, yet Scott Steiner is provided with a banquet Stamps on their food in the middle of a restaurant. I can only imagine. I can only imagine like if a worker was there. It's like we fucking ate granddad, and he's doing this shit. Exactly. <laughs> just absolutely, just a bot. And apparently, like, he, he he can complain about about that, but granddad was really fatty. <laughs> I mean, Nana was much better. They had to take Scott Steiner away and teach him the rules of etiquette. I was like, that's amazing. And I don't, and I'm just having an image of the Steiner in uh, like an etiquette class. It's like, okay, so this is how you drink the tea. Fuck this bullshit. <laughs> no, we've been through this, Scott. Statistically speaking, 
<laughs> you're in England, you say you, you say um, none of this tripe, not fuck this <laughs> I enjoy this match. I think it was a, at least joint best match on the card. The Steiner brothers never ever failed to deliver. Like I said. Just a really, really, really good tag team. I thought Hase and Sasaki were really good as well. Sasaki, even not Sasaki. I'd give it seven. Yep. I also gave it a seven. It might have been an eight, a bit of showness for Steiner Screwdriver, but we didn't. Uh, it was close to an eight, but I'll go seven, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it quite touched an eight. When you look at the matches that we've given eight in the past, I don't I don't feel it was quite on that level, but I think the lack of a lack of talent or lack of ability or lack of, I don't know, just the lack of a decent match on this card sort of made this stand out a bit more. So I'd give it seven. We then move on to the marquee match. Antonio Inoki defeating Ric Flair in 14 minutes and 52 seconds. Didn't wrestle on the first night, Ric Flair, and then on the second night did the job to Inoki, a person who famously was not a wrestler at this time, but was a politician. What did we think it didn't of the match? Stop Inoki going over. No, what did we think of the match? What did we think of the result? Goth, start with you. Um it was just it was just two retired wrestlers at that point coming back and they just both looked quite rusty and just quite dull. Again, it was I mean it was all right. There was some a couple of decent spots and they tried to get the crowd going at one point. Uh and they just have none of it. Um but it was it was all right. It was it was the marquee match. Yeah, it was was what it was. At this point, I was just sort of thinking, Fuck, let's just get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit, Chris. This isn't the worst flare match we've done in this segment. It's better than the RVD match. Um, I don't, yeah, this is like is a prototypical. It's, isn't that a prototypical flare house show match? It's like it's all selling. It's no big bumps other than maybe the one up the top. But then like I don't know, I I didn't hate it. I think I scored it relatively high, but I think that's because I think that might be to deal with um just compared to what's around it. And I enjoy like I think anything with Flair's at least interesting because he's a charismatic character. Um the crowd were actually somewhat into this because of the Ricky Dozen connection. Mm. Which was Good, because um, basically we tried. Um, he built Anoki, built himself a like, career and stuff to try and get over. Um, I do like that Anoki went over mostly because A is the closest thing to a Korean versus American story as you're getting on the show, and B Anoki just never doesn't go over. <laughs> he's like he's a Japanese Hulk Hogan. You think Jeff? Yeah, you think Jeff? No, actually, he's Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan before. Hulk Hogan went undefeated in a t- in like a precursor to the G one until he came across a Noki, and then Noki beat him twice. <laughs> Do you like if you think Jeff Jarrett's nepotism is bad to fucking Noki? But anyway, this was it was fine. It was a playhouse show match. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether I just I don't know whether I'd hyped it up for myself as you know this dream match or whether I was that tired by the end of this pay-per-view and that emotionally drained from having to watch Hashimoto fighting Scott Norton to a time limit draw that I just, I wasn't feeling this at all. And again, you're right. The crowd was somewhat into this. Um, 
but I still feel like I can only give it five stars. I don't feel like it can have anything more. I gave it six. I think that partly because of A, the show, and B, I'm sort of blinded by the fact that this is actually a dream match. No matter how you hack it, it's just wasn't a good dream. It's not a dream match that lived up to the hype. Garth? I'm happy to go with five. I thought it was all right. Um, I think the thing that, like, especially with this match, more than any of them, it, the thing that killed it is there's no, not even any promos or anything to sort of feed into the match. No to be fair, flare to be fair, if I was in charge of Flair and Korea, I'd be like, shut up, keep your fucking mouth shut, <laughs> Like, don't say anything. The problem was that no Koreans spoke English. And at the end yeah. of the tour, Flair was asked for a few words, basically saying, you know, that he was very sorry for America's actions and such. And he refused to say it and just said some very generic things. And then they just overdubbed it in Korean with what they wanted him to say in the first place because no one could understand English. So I think that was pretty much what, you know, what they were going for the promos because there was no point because no one would understand them anyway. My, <laughs> something that probably did contribute to the crowd being very, very quiet aside from, you know, the fact that they didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, apparently Ric Flair was sitting with one of the, the higher ranking officials in the North Korean government and during night one and... There was a match going on. I can't quite remember what match it was. And this official turns and they have a conversation through a translator. And the conversation goes something like, why is that small man able to lift that big man with little to no effort? And then later on, it was like, how did that man get up from that move so quickly? And if that would <laughs> take him out for half match, yeah, if yeah, it was, it was that's what it was. But if that thought was shared around the rest of the hundred and ninety thousand people that this was billed as a real thing, like a real fighting competition, and everyone in the crowd's just going, "That's fucking bullshit." That's what fucking Anoki <laughs> does, though. He lit and Antonio Anoki literally saw strong style at the next martial art discipline. And so he'd start putting, like, a few years after this, he'd start putting his champions in with real MMA fighters, and if they lost, they'd get the belt taken off him. Like, um, he had, um, Hashimoto left um, all Japan, um, New Japan because um, he hadn't, um, at Wrestle Kingdom, well, a precursor to Wrestle Kingdom, Noki had an actual fucking judo, um, judo fighter shoot on Hashimoto, who's a wrestler, just a wrestler. So he, so Hashimoto just got fucking shot on, and it's like, kids, Anoki's a fucking crazy person. He probably did tell the North Koreans it was real, because he's fucking, did, yeah. he's he's a. I don't care how much Bischoff denies it. Anoki's a fucking madman. Like he'll do anything to get people into a building. Like and like, it's not like people seem like this great booker. He has some good ideas, but he also booked nails versus um, Giant Gonzalez. So. <laughs> And let's not forget, he booked Hashimoto to fight Scott Norton to a time limit. Never, ever forget that, that Hashimoto fought Scott Norton to a time limit draw. We've had to sit through that. I'm pretty sure the length of Scott Norton's IWGP title reign is comparable to Kenny Omega's. (laughs) And that, in itself, is the most depressing thing that we've heard on this podcast. Thank fuck that is over. 
I can't begin this to describe. This is your fault, Rob. This was my choice. I didn't think it fucking win. <laughs> I'm sure somebody uh, sent us a message or just sort of tweeted us and says, oh, you're in for a real treat, guys. Was it... Who was it? I think it was Smark out mode. <laughs> no, Smark and friends. Smark and you friends. You lied. You did lie. <laughs> you if you're lie. listening to this podcast, you're a liar. You're an absolute liar. This was fucking dog. You Canadian bastard. <laughs> well, well, we don't condone Chris's voice. Um. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is, thank God, the end of Collision in Korea. Um. Again. No other wrestling pay-per-views have taken place in Korea, and I think if we haven't already sort of explained why that is, you know, why that's the case, then you clearly haven't been listening. Um, I think we need to do a poll next time with shows that we actually enjoy so that we can sort of give off, you know, an air of positivity instead of shitting on every single match, which I feel (laughs) like is what we've done today. Um, but yeah, I apologise for that. It's a weird-ass show, but Collision in Korea is now in the archives. Get in. I don't have to talk about it ever, ever again. Thank you so much for listening, guys. You can talk to us on Twitter, Facebook. You can download the podcast on all sorts of platforms. Everywhere you want to find your podcast, you can find us. Chris, if they want to abuse you on Twitter, where do they find you? At CandyChris97. <laughs> but I never use it. I never use that anymore. I just if I'm gonna tweet someone, I just tweet on the podcast account and annoy some right wing snowflake. And then get us fucking banned. <laughs> right, fucking <laughs> it's not it's not my fault. Anyway, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Garth, where can they find Yo, you? Uh, at Garth Armenia. Don't forget to check out the website for our universe. WWE two K universe. That is true. We've started our own WWE two K universe mode with NXT's First takeover taking place on Saturday. Chris, do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Oh, yes. Um, Bret Hart doesn't win. There you go. Sorry, Spoil. Sorry, Jesus Christ, spoilers. And Garth... How, 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 hang what? on a minute. How do you know? Ooh, not until Saturday? Not until it's Saturday, tight. guys. Not until Saturday. It's a bit, it's, oh, it's, 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 this it's shit's tweet. fixed, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this Some, isn't real. Something's not, something's not quite right here. Chris screwed Brett. Right, fucking, he's getting a title program out of it, okay? Oh, man, you've ruined it now. And uh, Garth, talk to us about Backlash. Uh, Backlash is probably the best pay-per-view since Vince McMahon died. (laughs) Isn't it the only pay-per-view since Vince McMahon died? Exactly. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Is that literally the end of your... Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Garth's pay-per-view is good. There you go. Thank you very much for listening, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Join us next week where we'll be returning to our list format. Keep your eyes peeled on Twitter and Facebook for the announcement there and for the poll of our new retro pay-per-view review. You can vote on what we have to endure next. Just make sure it's not as bad as this pay-per-view. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.